Can you tell me when you first began to question your gender identity or wonder whether it wasn't as straightforward as perhaps you've been led to believe? When I first started to properly think about it was um, when I was, I'd say, around 10 or 11, um, probably more like 11. Um, and it was in year six when I first started just like feeling weird about that stuff. Um, what do you mean weird? How, how how did it feel? Well, I, at the time, I kind of, I wasn't really close to the girls who I'd been close to the year before in primary school. And I only really had a couple friends. One of them was a boy and one of them was a girl who was quite boyish. Um, and I think I felt quite lonely and then quite confused that I didn't seem to fit in with either the boys or the girls. And... I actually remember in year six and the the thing is it's like I, I remember being called a she-male really yeah when did that happen it was when we were lining up outside the classroom and they were like asking us to line up in lines of boys and girls and one of the other kids in the class who clearly I don't think anyone uh, anyone actually knew what that meant because we were only like 10 mm-hmm. and obviously it wouldn't be an accurate word to describe me now because that's a slur used to describe trans women so I don't think anyone actually knew what it meant but I think it was just that kid's bullying way of saying that he didn't think I was like a proper girl because you weren't hanging out with the other girls I guess or because um I don't think at that point in my childhood I was acting particularly girly in year six but it was around that time that I was just feeling I I wouldn't have known how to put any of the feelings into words. I definitely didn't know that I was a boy or know that I was trans or anything. But it was just it. I was just feeling a bit weird about gender stuff because it didn't really make sense to me. And was it was it like a set of dominoes that once that had pushed, the others kept falling, or was it more that had planted a seed and then you would return to that in the coming months and years? I wouldn't say it was either of those things really. I think it was just like. That's just one thing that I remember that sticks out to me because that kind of thing happened in um, early secondary school as well before I came out. And What comments like that? Yeah, not as mean and I was able to kind of laugh at them more but just things like when it was basically whenever in um, like class situations when you were like asked to group into boys and girls there would always be in 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 secondary school it was more like friendly and jokey comments and there weren't like actual like slurs used or anything like that it was just kind of like saying oh well you don't really fit in either do you so you were reminded of not fitting into a binary yeah which i found kind of odds in those years like year eight to ten because i by the time i was in year nine i did know and I didn't tell anyone, but I didn't know how I did identify. But I found it odd because I was trying to hide that so much and I didn't think it did seem obvious. So it felt like odd to me that um, my classmates clearly saw me not as, like, silly saw me as something different. You say by that point you knew. Do you remember when you first knew or was that a gradual process it was definitely a gradual thing because i'd done some research online in the early parts of year eight which would have technically 
I was year seven age because mm-hmm. I skipped year seven, but like early parts of year eight, um, just kind of like looking stuff up online about gender, but not really being sure. The thing that kind of, the feeling that kind of made me start to feel more sure about it was there was once in year, towards the end of year eight, I think, um, when we were on, we were, we were on our way to school and the school uniform there was like very gendered. Um, it was like, um, tartan skirts, tartan skirt and a very like fitted blouse. And that was very different to the shirts that the boys wore and all that. Got a thin blouse, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember just like on my way into school, a feeling like an overwhelming feeling, like just feeling like I was dressing up, like, like I was in drag or something. And you said you were, consciously hiding it yeah why were you consciously hiding it i think um a big part of it was it felt more scary and daunting coming out gender wise in somewhere where everyone already already knew me as like one thing right so i kind of i was relieved when we were moving countries because i thought new start and that then i can kind of come out and like start presenting differently um, and then no one in this new place would have known me as anything else. So just to remind the listeners, you um, moved to Thailand when you were just turning 12 and then you were there for three years. So those formative years between sort of 12 and 15. Yeah. And it was during that period that you first knew, you realised that your gender did not align with the sex you were assigned at birth. Yeah. How did that feel in those those early months when you were in no doubt, when you knew this is just wrong, uh, my body is not right, I don't fit? I don't really know how to describe like how I was feeling in myself. I think part of it is because it was such a long time ago. Um, I do remember kind of feeling weird and kind of a bit like an imposter because in Thailand, my I did have friends who were boys and one of my best friends from there who I'm still close to was a guy. But um, my main friend group was like a group of just, of a group of girls, um, some of whom were just quite like the popular girly girls and all that. So it felt kind of weird knowing that I wasn't one of them trying to be one of them or trying to pretend to them that I was. It just seems all quite silly now because after I left Thailand and told them all, like, none of them cared. Had you not told any of them when you were in Thailand? No. So when you were in Thailand between those those three years, for most of which you knew yourself, yeah. you hadn't told anybody? I had... There was one person who... Um, I had a few, like, people who I didn't actually know in person who I talked to about it online. And then there was one person who in Brunei was in my sister's year group who I saw on Facebook. I think um, my mum mentioned it or my sister mentioned it had to come out as trans-masculine. And I remember, I think it was in year 10 at some point so while I was in Thailand in my last year in Thailand um, I remember messaging him and reaching out asking for a bit of advice so I guess he was kind of the first person who had some connection to me who I told which was weird because I never really spoken to him before So what was that like then going into school 
every day in very female uniform and hanging out with, as you put it, very girly girls, when every single day you were putting on uh, clothes and uh, presenting in a way which um, was totally opposite to who you were? It was really weird, but I got used to it. And I think I was kind of hoping that we would leave the country soon and kind of knowing we probably would because that's what happens in international schools I mean I wasn't hoping we'd go and move to the Middle East but um yeah um but I think it was also it was another one of the reasons that I didn't come come out um as trans when I was in Thailand is because there's a lot there's a very large trans community in Thailand um but I'd never heard of any trans men it was all trans women and although like everyone like knew about them and it wasn't like like they were kind of accepted but they weren't respected at all and you know in school there would always be like words thrown around like belittling trans women and all that and it you're talking about the ladyboy subculture that kind of thing yeah um and you know associating trans women with sex workers and Mm -hmm. all of that and i that made it feel less safe coming out just because I didn't know how because I hadn't heard of any trans men there so I didn't know if anyone else would have any knowledge about trans men and I also knew that the trans community weren't really respected and they were just kind of laughed at and I didn't want that what I did do when I was in Thailand though because the thing is at that point I did know what my gender was I had no idea what my sexuality was but I did also know that I didn't want to start exploring that until I was out. I came out as lesbian, which was weird. I remember you telling us that when yeah. you were in Thailand. Yeah, yeah, it was weird because I knew that that wasn't an, a label that actually fit me. But my thinking was, I want to be out as part of the LGBTQ plus community in some way. That's really interesting. And if I tell people I'm a lesbian, some of them might start to see me as more boyish anyway. And like now that I'm older and stuff and like know more trans people and have met like just more queer people and trans people it's actually quite a common thing for trans men to do mm-hmm. like at, um a younger age early teens so to kind of put a stamp on yourself as part of that that community yeah because it's a lot easier to come out as gay or bi or whatever than it is to come out as trans and thailand's a very complicated culture as well isn't it uh to the west it can seem very liberal and very open-minded but actually at its core i think it's very conservative were you, were you concerned about how uh, Thai society would um, receive you or would um, as to treat you if you came out as trans when you were in Thailand? Um, I think I was too young to be thinking of Fair all enough, that yeah. as a whole, to be honest. I was just kind of thinking about my classmates and the people at school and my family. So you consciously kept it under wraps almost because you knew that your time in Thailand was finite. Yeah. So you were trying to keep it on, under wraps to have yeah. a, almost a relaunch when you kind moved? Kind of, just like... I just felt it would... If I had come out as trans while in Thailand, while at the same school with all the people who knew me before, and then started... I I mean, I don't know if I would have been allowed to start wearing a boy's uniform because it was very strict and gendered. But if I had been, like, started, you know, cut my hair short, started wearing a boy's uniform and, like, binding and all of that, um, I would have felt a lot more exposed and looked at and judged because everyone would have known what I looked like before and just knowing like well if we like move to a new place and you know 
I like cut my hair and start presenting differently before I start this new school and that's all they would have known me as mm. and I didn't think anyone would just like see me as a boy because I wasn't sure how especially when I found out we were moving to the Middle East but I thought you know at least they would see me as like a person who presented in that way you know and that was just how they dressed and all that I've, I've just felt that would be easier and less scary <laughs> So tell me what happened then when you first moved to the Middle East. What what happened in terms of your gender expression and your gender identity and and how you communicated it or didn't? What what changed uh, as soon as you moved to the Middle East? I think the first, I think very quickly after we moved there, I got my hair cut short. That's why was that I, a big deal for you? Yeah, it was a big deal because my hair had always been really long. Um, like, it was quite a dramatic change, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big dramatic change because it was like almost down to my hips and like curly and like very, all of that very long. And then I got it cut. And my first haircut wasn't too boyish. It was because I don't think it was just kind of, it was a short haircut, but it was quite a femininely short haircut. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a few months after that that I got it cut um, in quite a masculine haircut, like shaved back and sides and then mm-hmm. kind of a short on top but like it was very soon after actually yeah it was by early september yeah yeah. i don't remember that yeah yeah. (laughs) um yeah um what role did the uniform play because you there wasn't a a girly uniform no was there i think well because it was the middle east and like for students who wore hijabs and had to like cover um their whole legs they couldn't have had like okay all girls have to wear a skirt also floor length skirts aren't very practical for like in a school environment so a lot of the girls wore trousers there and the shirts were just polo shirts and they were the same for boys and girls and everyone so it was very easy for me to present non-femininely in the uniform because I just wore trousers and the polo shirt. So what were some of the challenges you you faced then um, in this new school you'd you'd kind of consciously delayed your relaunch until then did it go well? I didn't really make friends other than like one person, maybe two. Um, was and... that do you, was that linked to, to your transition, to your gender identity, or was that uh, more complicated than that? I think it was more complicated. I think I felt judged and looked at, and I think a lot of that was true, but I don't think it was quite to the extent that I felt it was, but I didn't feel accepted. I also was kind of... I just, I wasn't in a good place mentally for most of my time there, if not all. I'm wondering, kind of a chicken and egg thing, which came first. Did did you start to feel less and less uh, safe and happy uh, because of your isolation? Or did you become more and more isolated because you felt unsafe and happy? You know, how much is it wrapped up with simply being the new kid? Um, in the class, which is tough in international schools especially, or how much was it to do with how your identity was being received or consumed? I think it was very much being... It was like being the new kid, being obviously queer, if not obviously trans. I didn't fit in just with the personalities of most of the people in my class. Did you tell people that you were trans? I told... There were a couple people I told while I was there. Um... In those early, in that f- those early months, that first year, just one person. 
So it wasn't common knowledge amongst your peers, do you think? Well, to be honest, I think it probably was. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't think I, it was subtle. Um, but I never... It was complicated as well, because, like, I remember there was a point, not in that first year that I was there, but or maybe towards the end of the first year or the beginning of the second year, that I felt ready and just wanted to kind of tell everyone. Mm-hmm. But you were worried, and Mum was worried. <laughs> You've talked about how you consciously kept a lid on this for three or four years um, with this um, kind of semi-conscious idea of a relaunch, even if it didn't go tremendously well when that happened. But in keeping it under wraps, you also kept it under wraps from us um, as your parents. And therefore, when you told us, uh, you were four or five years ahead of us on this. How did that go when you told us? How did we do? You didn't do great <laughs> to start with. Um, I think What did we do wrong? I remember I told you, and I don't think, looking back, I don't think I was that clear, but I thought that I had been, so I thought I'd come out to you, and then you and mum just like didn't mention it at all. And then, so I kind of told you again with a bit more clarity the next week or something. Um, and you were really shocked and surprised. And I was confused because I thought I'd already told you. Like, I felt as if I had. I remember, and I remember you still weren't like, you still didn't really talk about it to me. And I think, I think more recently you've told me that you two, you and mum were talking a lot about it to each other, but you just didn't talk about it to me. So I thought you just kind of ignored what I told you. You mentioned at one point that earlier on in your transition, you were confused because you assumed people understood you or saw you the way that you saw yourself. And is is that wrapped up uh, in what you said about us parenting? You kind of uh, assumed that we were where you were. Is there any anything in that, do you think? Yeah, I guess. I think because I'd been like part of the online trans community for quite a few years by that point that I'd kind of forgotten that people who weren't like that especially of like older generations might have no idea about anything to do with anything trans I think that was true I mean I'd seen the Danish girl that was pretty much it well that wasn't pretty much it that was yeah literally it and and you lived in Thailand (laughs) and I lived in Thailand yes um so I really had had no idea. And definitely no clue about trans men. No, no idea about uh, yeah. trans men whatsoever. Because so, they're not often as portrayed in media. No, so I was at, my starting point was almost zero. Mm. Um, and, and yes, um, we both spoke about you to each other a lot, but clearly didn't involve you in that conversation. Yeah. Um, that must have been quite painful. And I think I kind of retreated from you two a lot in those years because of gender stuff and not feeling like you were trying to understand because I didn't know that you were like that it was something you were even talking about or thinking about and then that I guess led to more isolation as well as from like like friends and just society also from family I I think we were trying so hard um so hard uh and in every single moment of each day but um, we weren't very good at it. I'm the first to put my hands up and say we didn't do very well. 
Um, you did well the second time round. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we it wasn't for want of trying, yeah. um, you know. But I was only, when I came out to you, I was only like 14 or just turned 15 or something like that. Um, so I didn't, I couldn't comprehend any of that. All I was thinking was, I've told my parents this thing. They haven't mentioned it to me at all. They can't care. You know, which is a, easy to see why you would make that yeah. that that inference. Absolutely, it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? How we could be making so much effort behind the scenes, and yet to you, it could seem like we literally didn't care at all. And how those two uh, diametrically opposed realities can exist side by side, I find fascinating and also saddening. What what do you think were some of the biggest challenges you faced in those early years of transition? So you're in Jordan now, you're in the Middle East, um, uh, and you're distancing yourself a little bit from us because you don't necessarily feel all the time that, that we care or that we're trying. In those early months, you know, that first year, maybe the first couple of years in, in Jordan, um, what were some of the um, most powerful challenges that you were facing on a, on a day-to-day basis with your with your transition with with us more distanced from you than either of us wanted um and in this um, society that you didn't feel uh, accepted you what were the other challenges that you were experiencing as a as a young trans male um a big challenge was binding because i started that um when i started school or a bit earlier before i started the school there and I obviously wasn't doing it in a safe way because you can't bind safely without a properly made and designed binder. So where did you find find out how you could do it unsafely? Online. Right. You know, there were ways like with bandages wrapped really tightly around you or with like what I did, I think, was I cut off the like top section of lots of pairs of thick tights and right. put those around me and... Um, so I remember when we when we found out about that, I, I remember feeling um, finding that really difficult, and, and I, I remember you asking. With that's when the conversation began, didn't it, about us getting binders for you, which I don't think we were very good at that either, were we? Yeah. Uh, can you remember what happened there? Yeah, you you were worried about getting binders, and you didn't want to get them because you were worried that they were unsafe. Which at the time I felt really frustrated by that because I was going to be binding no matter what and it would be in a way that was even more unsafe you know and after a while you bought these you still didn't want to buy like a proper binder but um I think after a year or so um you bought these things that were like compression binding bras or something um but the thing is they they now I know they weren't as comfortable as a binder would have been. They were like more painful and they didn't bind as well. So I would like wear two of them mm. so that it would bind. And then that was probably even more dangerous than the tights had been. You know, we've we've talked a lot in the past, haven't we, about how there was no support for you and a, a lack of that medical expertise to which you had a right. I think the same was true for us. We hadn't a clue. Mm. So we go online just like you go online. And lots of the stuff we read online said binding causes damage permanent damage da, 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 da. so we were like oh my god what do we do we can't have tights but we can't have these these damaging binders mm-hmm. 
So what was the effect of going through this in the Middle East specifically? So you talked about our mistakes or some of the mistakes. I know we made many, many more. Um, we'll talk about school a little bit um, later. But what what did it feel like um, knowing that you're part of a community whose validity, whose existence is at best pushed into the shadows and at worst prohibited well what effect did that have on you as a 14 15 16 year old trans gay man i think i didn't fully realize the situation i was in as with the country and society as a whole because i was quite young and because i didn't really go out you know i went to school until i stopped going Mm. to school and other than that i stayed at home i mean i knew that it frustrated me that um because you and mum and like I think someone else like one of your friends at the school who also knew I was trans had said that they like none of you thought it would be safe for me to like officially tell people um and that frustrated me because I kind of I didn't care you know Mm -hmm. I wasn't concerned for my safety because I didn't care I just kind of wanted to not I, I just wanted to be me you know and for everyone to know that. Yeah, I think it's another on the list of big mistakes, to be honest with you. It was all rooted in, in love and in in fear of harm or fear of damage. So the intent was benign. But as you say, essentially, as a result, we were saying, don't be yourself, which is well, a hell of a message to hear from your parents, isn't it? Yeah. And what? How did your early transition, by early transition, I'm talking about the time in Jordan, because yeah. we've kind of packaged away that um, that hidden identity in, in Thailand. Um, how did your early transition impact on your mental and your physical health over those um, two or three years? Pretty badly. It wasn't just transition, it was other stuff too. Mental health just kind of was very quickly and severely deteriorating for that whole time I was there. Um, and also like with regards to physical health because like the thing is with um, people who are assigned female at birth with like weight stuff you gain weight in specific places which make you look more feminine it's like on your hips and all that kind of thing Um, and that's like why so if you start if you go on testosterone or if you're a trans woman you go on estrogen and testosterone blockers then your fat redistribution is one of the things that changes so like for trans men you'll get less fat on your hips more on your stomach <laughs> um, and you'll like your shoulders will become broader with muscle trans women you'll get more fat on your hips and it, like more in feminine areas um, but obviously in Jordan um, I wasn't on hormones and I just kind of stopped eating a lot you know and I lost quite like a dangerous amount of weight so that period of time in in jordan where so much was going wrong and the support not that the support wasn't there for you but you couldn't reach the support or the support couldn't reach you and you were increasingly isolated and your mental health was was suffering um do you see that period as a as a dark black period that you want to forget about or was there learning that happened as a result of it to be honest there's big chunks of time from jordan that i have no memory of whatsoever it's fascinating yeah um so your mind has chosen to just yeah bleach it out 
which is probably why like my memories of certain details are quite hazy because yeah I just yeah there's big parts of it which I just no memory of because your mental health not that I have any intention of going into detail in this now but your mental health became life-threatening it was yeah it was incredibly severe and, and serious the sorts of things that no parent would ever want to go through or want would want their child to go through um so it was it was black mm-hmm.